0: Hey, it's V David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on Sirius XM Patriot. A couple of questions for your consideration and for discussion with my next guest, uh, or my first guest of today, Phil Kirpin, President of, Amer- of American Commitment. Question one, how much power does government in any form have what and where are the appropriate boundaries on government, which includes uh, legislative branches, executive, uh, the agencies, the letter agencies, etc.? Why are they important? And In not just the examples that we've talked about this morning, even with regarding uh, the rail strike where now Democrats are caught between having to go against the union or support the union and take congressional action to override the unions they say have their rights. So there's a a lot of conflict in this discussion. The president promised student loan bailout in a vote-buying scheme uh, prior to the election. The courts were quick to react. States were quick to react. Contract law. What about the U.S. Constitution? Can the president spend an estimated $500 million to $101 trillion without approval from Congress, the very branch in the House that holds the power of the purse? Phil Kirpin, president of American Commitment, is here to help answer all these questions. Big as Phil, I know you're capable. There's that document called the Constitution. So what does your Constitution say?
1: Well, my Constitution says that uh, the president cannot draw money from the Treasury except uh, subject to an appropriation by Congress and that Congress holds the power of the purse. And so the, the idea that the president can... Take a 20-year-old law off the shelf, twist it, use COVID as an excuse, and then send $400 billion of taxpayer money out to, you know, 40 million student loan borrowers is completely ridiculous. It's absurd. In fact, just a year ago, Nancy Pelosi was saying, of course, the president can't do that. And, you know, she's now changed her tune to fall in line, uh, you know, with the Democratic administration. But uh, this is extremely dubious and and i think the the way the media reported on it was really reckless because they reported for months on this as if it was something that was actually happening uh and that people were going to get this money and what they should have said is that the president is attempting is alleging is claiming that he can do this but it's legally questionable and you know we don't know whether it'll actually happen and they didn't frame it that way because to your point uh they wanted to help the Democrats get these younger voters to turn out and to be appreciative and to vote for them in this election, which I think was really what this was about. You know, they were signing up millions of people uh, to get their loans reduced. Uh, these applications they had live right up until the election. Then I think a day after the election, they said, "Oh, we're stopping the applications because you know we don't know if this program's legal." Uh, So the timing was uh, it was remarkable just how brazen they were about that timing. And, of course, we now have two circuits, uh, two federal circuit courts uh, that have uh, either imposed an injunction in the case of the Eighth Circuit or allowed a district court injunction to stand in the case of the Fifth Circuit. And we've got briefing that's going on on this in the Supreme Court where the Biden administration appealed uh, the injunction from the Eighth Circuit. And, you know, we, we should know. Sooner rather than later, what the Supreme Court's going to do on that? Kavanaugh asked for briefing from the parties, and there are a bunch of amicus briefs that went in as well. And I suspect, you know, given the stakes and what's going on in the Fifth, that I think the Supreme Court's going to take the case. I think they're going to make room for it right in this next term. They're going to take the case, do oral argument, and strike this thing down. I, I don't think they're going to wait, but they might. If they do wait. I think they will almost certainly leave the injunctions in place, which means no money is going out anytime soon. And I don't believe it ever will go out. And, and, I'm not, and that's not just because I'm a conservative that I think. There's a liberal law professor who's a major court watcher, uh, Jed Sugarman from Fordham University. He said this could be a 9-0 decision against the Biden administration because of how weak their case is. So the courts I believe will do as you say
0: uh, law you know there's sometimes you just can't override what is the obvious uh, and, and I'll put it leave it there for the moment but then to the the word brazen that you used uh, I, I've got to ask the, the I don't know the question. Did they know they would eventually lose, and was this really, as I put it, purely a vote buying scheme? I believe so. What about you
1: Well, I think they I think it was definitely a vote buying scheme. I think they they were hoping that they might get away with it and actually get the money out the door. Uh, the way they 've done this was all designed to avoid anyone getting a case uh at all having standing to sue them at all, and what I mean by that is. Um, yeah, there's Obviously, there's no law. Congress didn't pass any law, although the president at one point said that he signed a law because he's either confused or lying. Uh, but not only is there no law, there's no regulation, there's no rulemaking, there's no guidance document. They're trying to run a $400 billion spending program basically on a press release and a frequently asked questions website. And they've twice morphed the program to undermine the standing claims of litigants that that were trying to stop them. And so uh, the first lawsuit that came was a guy from Indiana who said, this loan forgiveness is actually going to increase my state taxes because Indiana taxes uh, forgiven loans, uh, and and I was going to get them forgiven eventually under a different program that Indiana exempts from tax. So this is a tax hike on me. And their response was they added a question to that FAC website that said, can I opt out if it would harm me to get my loan forgiven? And they said, yes, you can opt out. And then they went to the judge and said, hey, we have an opt-out. And the judge dismissed the case. So they changed it on the fly. They got the case dismissed. Prior to that, they had said it was going to be automatic. And then bondholders sued, and they uh, changed the program. The bondholders said, look, our private student loans are worth less because people are going to consolidate them into federal loans so they can get them forgiven. And uh, they said, okay, well, now you can't get – consolidated loans forgiven if they were consolidated after September 29th. And now there's no more ongoing harm to bondholders. They got that case dismissed. And so I actually think that they had this idea in their minds that even though everyone kind of knew this was illegal, they could maybe get away with it by preventing anyone from being able to sue them. And uh, ultimately, uh, that Failed. Uh, I think the state of Missouri in particular has a very strong claim to standing because their state higher education loan authority is the biggest servicer of direct federal loans. And that's the case from the Eighth Circuit that's currently at the Supreme Court. And uh, there was a pretty good – the Texas case was people who didn't qualify for the loan forgiveness saying, you know, we had no ability to comment on this, we had no procedural rights, and uh, that was kind of a clever way to get at the standing issue. And so I think they thought they might actually get away with it by just kind of being slippery enough to avoid anyone being able to actually get a case to move forward. But I think that, uh, you know, given that they didn't get away with that, uh th- They're they're probably they are probably going to lose in court. But, you know, I think their calculation, David, was probably something like, look, either we get away with it and these people love us forever for giving them this money or we don't get away with it. And we blame the mean Republicans for suing and the mean judges. And uh, and now we have to pack the court. And, you know, we can say we tried our best. And so I think they uh, their calculation was they win either way.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree because it, when there is a loss, even at the court level, there's a uh, you know, readjustment and they move on to the next thing on the left. I'm wondering about some of the other effects of this, and I, I'm looking into this particular issue, but I received an email from a listener whose wife went back to school. Uh, and, you know, as a result of just going back to school, but never having applied for student loan forgiveness, received a communication that uh, they had decided that uh, her, she qualified. She received a letter to that effect that she qualified for, but because the program was uh, in legal challenges, it was going nowhere for now. Now, she never applied. She never filled out a form on a website, never did anything, talked to the school, as I as it was told to me, but yet she was informed. So is there something else to that? Have you heard anything?
1: Well, um, you know, I mentioned that they changed the Frequently Asked Questions website to say that, you know, people who are automatically enrolled could opt out. I don't know if they ever actually, like, Posted instructions for how someone would opt out. You know, or actually operationalize that. Uh, as I said, you know, they're making up as they go along. There are no, there are no governing documents for any of this. There's no law. There's no rulemaking. It's just. You know, it's it's seriously. It's just an FAQ. They're going to run 400 billion dollars of spending on an FAQ, and so I did not know that those emails went out to people who hadn't applied. I knew that they sent them out to people who did apply. These bizarre emails saying you've been approved, but you know the courts won't let us give you the money, which is a weird thing, you know, to even send out. I did not. This is the first I'm hearing that they sent those out to people who had not applied. Um, but look, I mean, they the way they're the way this thing. The, What they're trying to accomplish is if they can get the money out, great. They'll be all these people will be grateful if they can't actually get the money out. They want you to know that they really, really, really tried and they wanted to give it to you and blame blame the courts. I mean, that's what they're doing with these emails.
0: Yeah, I mean, it is, like you said, running a program, (laughs) press release, FAQs and maybe a few political pronouncements from the White House press uh, briefing from time to time. Uh, what, I mean, next steps. Obviously, we have the lower court's decisions. Uh, this it, Does this go to the Supreme Court in this term, you think? I mean, where, where does it go next? Well,
1: it's, it's at the Supreme Court right now. Um, the procedural posture is an application by the Biden administration to vacate the injunction from the Eighth Circuit. And uh, that went to Justice Kavanaugh and he requested briefing from the parties and so there're briefs from uh there's there's a brief from Biden there's a response brief from the states and then there's a response brief to that from the Biden administration there're a bunch of amicus briefs in there as well you can see you can see all of this uh on the docket on the Supreme Court website and so justice Kavanaugh will either uh you know he could grant he could grant that he could grant that uh application himself he could reject that application himself Or he could refer it to the full Supreme Court to vote on, which I think is likely in this case. And then either his decision himself uh, or more likely the Supreme Court uh, kind of voting as the nine of them, uh, they could either overturn the injunction and leave the case in, in the lower courts, which would let Biden hit send and send the $400 billion out. I think that's unlikely. They could keep the injunction in place, but let the cases proceed at the lower court level, uh, which is a possibility. Or they could, if they want, say, you know, given how important the case is and the issues and so forth, uh, we're going to take the case now. We're going to construe this application as a, uh, as a writ application, and uh, we're going to Uh, take the case and schedule oral argument and issue the decision this term. So they could decide to do that uh, if they want to. And I think that would be appropriate given the amount of money at stake and the issues and the fact that we've now got an injunction from another circuit as well. I think it would be appropriate for them to sort of expedite and take the case. Uh, But as long as they don't lift the injunction, there's no money going out the door, whether they take the case now or not.
0: Right, and it remains a political posture and a political argument. Uh, I favor, I think, like you do, let's get this for the full court. Here are the arguments. We've got a more originalist court. Uh, the chances are, even with the liberal justices uh, voting, as I think I
1: would expect them to most times, uh, there's yeah, You never know, David. Remember chance. that when Obama, when Obama tried to make recess appointments while the Senate was not in recess— He lost 9-0 at the Supreme Court. So sometimes sometimes it's so egregious that even the liberal justices don't go for it. So we'll see. It could be more than 6-3. I don't know. Uh, I tend to be cynical like you and think the three liberals will let him do whatever he wants. But uh, once in a while they surprise us.
0: (laughs) So surprise me. There we go. I'm waiting for my surprise at at any given moment. Let's see what they do with it, Phil. Appreciate it. I'm with you. Uh, The U.S. Constitution, the guidelines, the borders, the role of the branches. You know, when I look at cases that have come up in recent times, West Virginia versus EPA, cases like this, it, it seems as if the court could be on a path to a constitutional reset and there have been other other decisions as well regardless of the vote the decision and the majority uh so do you think the court overall is on its way to a constitutional reset
1: you know i think they're i think they're sort of reviving uh kind of the separation of powers uh and and i think it's very welcome and i do i agree with you that their recent decisions have moved in the direction of kind of you know the executive branch can't just do whatever it wants and invent new programs out of old laws. And, you know, If you want to do something new, there has to be a new law. And uh, I think that's a very, very welcome development, and I'm hoping uh, that a decision in this case will move that further along. All right. Let's keep a close eye on it, and if the court
0: decides to take this up in... And- You know, I I would hope they would for this term, if nothing else, to remove the issue from the constant argument. Uh, We'll see. Phil Kirpin, President of American Commitment. Thank you, Phil. All right. Have a good one. You can join me live on the David Webb Show Monday to Friday, 9 to noon east on Sirius XM Patriot 125.